0: Good evening everybody, if you all would please stand with me, and let's everybody put our hands together and give these guys a very warm welcome (laughs) for the second annual Tag Team Preaching Event. I'll sit down now. (laughs) Man, Mark, we got a rowdy crowd tonight, don't we? You betcha. (laughs) Boy, this jacket is a lot tighter than it was last time. (laughs) All right. Here's the rules, guys. We got all these men and women up here. They're getting ready to give the message of their lifetime. The category is grace. And here is the ground rules. They have a maximum of seven minutes. At the end of seven minutes, they will hear this ding. No matter where they ought, they, they're at, they get cut off. So they know the rules, you know the rules. Are we ready to go? Man, do we have a card tonight. First up, we got Fred the Birdman Mooney. Let's put it, give it together for him. No pressure, Fred. And the clock starts
1: now. Okay, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You've just heard the outline of my sermon Amazing grace. So, what's amazing about grace? You have your sins forgiven, your slates wiped clean. It's just as if you've never sinned at all, but you really did. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Sounds pretty amazing to me. A gift paid for us by the blood of Jesus Christ because God so loved us. That saved a wretch like me. Now most people don't like that word today, wretch. It's not very PC, is it? You know, we have become so politically correct, I think our brains fell out. (laughs) But you know what? We're all wretches. The Bible tells us that our hearts are wicked. In Jeremiah 17:9 it says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Compared to the sinless life of Jesus Christ, we're all sinners. We all fell short. Romans 3: 23 says, "For all sin and come short of the glory of God." Now my pastor, Mark Shell, told me, "All means all, and that's all it means." That means every one of you, every mother's son, all the way back to Adam. We've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Psalms 119 says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Before experiencing grace, I was lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I had a 50-cent word. People ask me about God, and I'd say, I'm an agnostic. You know what that's a, a big word for? A confused fool. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus found me and he put my, rock on, put my feet on a solid rock. Let's look at the next part of this. Next line. But was blind, but now I see. You know, before experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ, I had one thing on my mind and one thing only. Only one thing was important to me and that was me as long as I was number one I knew everything's gonna work out okay for me I was a survivor I thought if I come out on top everything work out okay you know what you know in in Ephesians 2 1 and 2 it says and you he made alive you were dead in trespasses and in sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience verse 3 says among also we all lived conducted ourselves in lust of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others if that doesn't describe today's society I don't know what is lust of the flesh and lust of the mind but now I see once you experience grace, you look at everything differently. The things you once like, you now dislike. The things you once hated, you now love. You become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And in conclusion I would like to add one more verse. It says through many dangers toils and snares I have already come. This grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Romans 8:37 says yet in all these things we are made more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can snatch you away out of God's hand. Thank you very much and I'm going to turn it over to the
0: next preacher. Now we got, next up, the very reluctant, but the very compliant, Randy Vincent. He's not in the mafia, but they call him Randy the Cleaner Vincent. (laughs) And start. Thank you,
2: George. Thirty-one years ago today, I married my beautiful wife. It's our anniversary today. uh, I don't know if any of you remember Paul Harvey and the rest of the story, but we were getting ready this morning and uh, I hear, Randy, come here, and 31 years of training. Of course, I ran right there. She shows me her wedding ring, and the main diamond is gone. So 31 years that thing hanging around, but we're still going to be married, I think. (laughs) Uh, Psalms 56.3, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've uh, had to lean heavily on those for a couple of weeks now. This is not my comfort zone. I'm not a preacher, I'm not a speaker. I don't even like to talk that much. But if you're gonna follow Jesus and serve him, it's not always comfortable. Sometimes you have to step out of the boat and trust him. Stretch yourself, make an effort. You, not, you guys may not get anything out of this tonight. I may crash and burn but I've grown preparing for this. I've faced some fears and I've been blessed. If you take a step for Jesus, stretch yourself to serve him and his church. By the grace of God, you'll be okay. Grace meets every need and is given as needed, when needed. Grace is strength, help, counsel, direction, support, that continuously flows and never ends. I stepped out of my comfort zone, I stretched. Following Jesus can be difficult, being obedient can be scary, and believe me, I'm terrified. What I would like you to remember is by grace of God, you can do it. It might not be pretty, but you can do it. You can step out of your comfort zone. You can teach. You can volunteer. Volunteers are needed in OC kids. How scary can that be? (laughs) You can do whatever God asks you to do. Years ago, a small group of people stepped out of their comfort zone. They gathered in a basement to love Jesus. And love each other. God poured his grace and love into them. And they poured their grace on a young pastor who was inexperienced, maybe a little rough around the edges. But they loved on him and he loved them back. And God blessed that. He poured his grace on them. They kept stretching themselves by reaching, teaching, and serving and God kept pouring his grace on Orchardville Church. I know there had to be hard work, sacrifices, challenges, and there still is today. But God is still with us, pouring his grace and blessings on our church. And looking back on our dependence on God for all we have, we can be sure of a great future at Orchardville Church. The same God who has taken care of us, the one who's removed obstacles or put them in their way to change our course, is the same today. He hasn't went anywhere. He hasn't changed his mind about us. His grace is still pouring out on us. We can be inspired by our past as we look to our future. There's a man out there. He doesn't know us yet, but soon he will join us and lead us. When he gets here, he's going to find a church on the move, not sitting Amen. idle, not waiting, not broken down. Amen. When the man arrives, he'll find a church alive. Yes. Thank you.
0: deserves <clears throat> a standing ovation I thought. Randy, that was as fine a message as I've ever heard. And I feel like that was full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm proud to call you my deacon. Amen. Wrestling announcers ain't supposed to cry. (laughs) Next up... (laughs) He's retired, but he was known as the lineman for the county, Mr. Sam Kessler.
1: That's
3: a hard act to follow. Okay. James 4, 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is also found in Proverbs 3.34 and 1 Peter 5.5. The only hope in man's spiritual darkness is the grace of God. His grace is greater than the power of sin, of the flesh, of the world, and of Satan. But I want to begin with definitions. And I got them from the Webster's New Universal Underbridge Dictionary. It weighs about 10 pounds. <laughs> okay first definition is not of grace, it's humble. Having or showing a consciousness of one's defects or shortcomings, and I added to that sin, being not proud, not self-assertive, being modest, meek, and submissive. The definition of pride is an over-high opinion of one's own self, conceit, arrogance, An unreasonably high conception of one's achievements, positions, or importance is being haughty. Being proud leads us to conclude that we deserve all that we see, all that we touch, or all that we imagine. Being humble has an attitude of service to God and to others. It is the cure for evil desires. So what's all this got to do with God's grace? i think we all agree that god gave us all free will now let's look at that free will as a door that opens to god's grace pride says that i don't need god i'm too too intelligent to believe in him i reject his word that his word is truth i don't believe in the sovereignty of the universe or myself i do not believe i'm a sinner i do not need a savior all those eyes shut the door to god's grace james 4 6 says god resists the proud he resists self-righteousness the holy in doubt the attitudes and lack of faith i believe one of the greatest realizations that comes to man and even then when it comes to man it's only by the spirit's revelation is i am a sinner I have disobeyed, I have sinned against the holy God of creation. I can't do anything to save myself from this ugliness that's inside of me. I need God's help. God help me. That's being humble. Humility opens the door to God's grace. Humility admits the sinfulness in our hearts. It's not trying to hide it or explain it away. That would be pride. It's also realizing in our own inability to do anything about it. But God gives grace. And give is an important word. Grace is not earned. It is not deserved. And there are no qualifications needed. Just humility. God gives grace to the humble, the needy, the undeserving. Yet he will resist the proud. A great example of this in Scripture is Luke 18, 10 through 14, and I'm not going to read all of it because I don't have the time. But it's a story of, uh, it's a parable of two men who came to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and he told, spoke to God, and he told him of all the good things that he does. And he is not like others who he considers unjust, and he points to a tax collector. And the tax collector, when he prays to God, wouldn't even raise his head. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said he went to his house justified. The humility of the tax collector opened the door to God's grace. The Pharisees shut the door with his pride. God resists our lack of need for him, our self-serving, self-saving efforts. J. Vernon McGee stated, how we view ourselves directly shows how we view Christ. If I see ourselves as righteous and good, we have no need for God and his grace. If we see ourselves as we are sinners, we will see our need for a savior. In other words, Jesus. Grace is free. All that is required is humility. That's what opens the door. Yet grace is very expensive. It costs God his son. It costs us our pride. One thing I wondered when I wrote this down, I wonder if we would remember the sound of that door shutting if we meet Jesus as our judge instead of our Savior.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Man, aren't they doing a great job tonight? You hey, it's been a long time since you've heard from her, and she is literally the best of the best. Give it up for Carol Best.
4: how can you do grace in seven minutes (laughs) okay so i'm going to need some audience participation and i hope you're game for that and sitting with grace this past week has been a lot of tears a lot of shock and awe because that's what god's grace is it's shocking and grace is a gift that costs everything to the giver but nothing to the receiver grace is god's generous favor to undeserving sinners and saints to make a man a saint, grace is absolutely necessary. And whoever doubts it does not know what a saint is or a man, or what a man is. And that was from this guy named Blaise Pascal. Cool name. Okay. I'm going to ask for your participation. So everybody give me a G. G. All right, burn that. Give me a G. G. Okay, G in grace stands for gift. That's the principle of grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. All right, let's go to R. Give me an R. R. R stands for redemption, and that's the purpose of grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's from Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. Now, we've got our G, we've got our R. What comes next?
5: A. All
4: right. A stands for access. I think this is one of my favorite parts of grace. The privilege of grace. God has given us the privilege through his son to enter into the presence of God, our creator. If that doesn't shock us and awe us, I don't know what does. To be in a relationship with God, knowing what I am, Knowing what I've come from, knowing what I did in my life, and knowing what I still could possibly do, and still he loves me, is is amazing to me. So A is for access, the privilege of grace. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. All right, you good spellers, what comes next? C. All right. C stands for character and confidence, and that's the product of grace. Grace produces something in our lives, it produces fruit. We can rejoice even when problems and trials come, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Romans 5 3 and 4. And because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently through. Um, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So we've been given access. Is that awesome or what? Right? Come boldly into God's presence. All right, spellers, what's next? E. E stands for eternal life. And that's the outcome or the product of grace, right? Right? What is eternal life? Jesus said, eternal life is that we would know the Father and we would know the Son. A relationship with God is eternal life for all eternity. So Jesus um, in John 3:16, we all know it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have
1: everlasting.
4: Amen. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. Like Fred said, you can't be ripped away from God. They can never be condemned for their sins, but they already have passed from death to life. And as I was sitting with grace and thinking about it, this came to me, and I feel like it was just God reminding me what grace really is. Grace is the fuel, the Holy Spirit is the fire. And when we have the fuel of grace operating in our life and the Holy Spirit fire in our life, we have that passion for God. But none of us can live without grace. So that's all. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Carol. Next up, this guy is a teacher. He's a carpenter. He's an engineer. They call him Triple D because he's the Deacon Dallas Dury. I
6: talked you up real big, Dallas. (laughs) No pressure now. So I'm going to go a little bit different uh, direction than the rest of of them. I'm still talking about grace, to in a sense, but. The title of my topic tonight is "God's," which is G. Restoration R, always A, changes C, everything E. So God's restoration always changes everything. So tonight's topic is grace, but like I said, I want to apply grace—the grace, the grace theme—a little bit differently. Um, and in the Bible, there's you know there's a lot of examples of how God you know, has reached down and, and restored his people, right? Um, so many of you can probably think of a time, um, you know, when after all the dust has settled and you kind of got your wits back about you and you, you really think it over, you realize that really God's hand was on that situation the entire time. But you really didn't realize it uh, while it was going on. So, uh, the scripture I want to read is from First Peter and chapter five, verse ten. But First uh, Peter is, was written by Peter, and it was written to the uh, the Christians of uh, Asia Minor, which is current day Turkey. Uh, and what he was really what the book of First Peter is about is about how some of these. Uh, People have talked about already tonight that the Christian life isn't an easy life. Um, you know, to, to stand strong for for Christ sometimes is is not the the most popular thing to do, um, and that was kind of the situation with this group of Christians uh, that that Peter was writing to. So, in first prior to verse ten, uh, the Scriptures talks about you know, the devil comes like a roaring lion to steal and destroy and and, and all those things. And and God, and you know, and Peter encourages them, then, that, that we have to, in those times, uh, you know, resist those things, but not run from those things, but resist those things. And this is where the restoration part comes in, in verse 10. It says, And the God of all grace, who called you, to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So what it's saying here is kind of like a doctor setting a broken bone. Uh, God will mend our lives and make us whole. Uh, God will make our way stable despite the instability. And Give us comfort in a world that wants to inflict suffering upon us, so tonight i 'm going to tell you about a time in my life where I experienced uh, god 's restoration and for me that was the year of uh, it was, year was 1999. i 'd gone through a divorce, and I uh, had my kids every other week, and I really struggled was struggling with uh, you know, the feelings of loneliness and brokenness and and those types of thing. And, you know, my faith in God was still there. Uh, It it never left, but uh, I tried to, you know, I tried to fill those holes and those voids in my life with worldly things and and kind of not what God wanted in my life. Uh, And my whole life... uh, You know, all I wanted was a family. Uh, I grew up, my mom passed away the day after my fourth birthday. Uh, And so I grew up my whole life without having that traditional family unit and and I always wanted that. And I thought that's all I had to get was once I got that family, uh, you know, life would be perfect and and everything would be great. And so here I was, you know, uh, all that I thought I had was now gone and, and I was alone, and so, you know, I, finally I realized that the lifestyle I was trying to live to, to fill those holes and those voids, uh, it wasn't me before I got divorced, and it wasn't me then either, and so it was a Friday night, I'd been up to one of the clubs up in town, there in Florida, and I came home, and I sit down in the chair, and I said, and I just said, you know what, God, this is, this is just not. Working. <laughs> this is not me. It's not who I am. Um, and as much as I want a family, as much as I want these relationships and things in my life, um, I, I I just can't. I can't do it on my own. And so, it was really at that point in time when I really opened my heart up to let God let God in. And so. I prayed, you know, that he would help me understand what he had for me and my future. And, and I just, you know, I just kind of laid it, left it all out, laid it all out there and, and said my prayer opened my eyes. And that's kind of where the restoration part starts to come in. as is... opened my eyes, picked up the remote, hadn't even hardly turned the TV on. And this name pops in my head. It's named Heather Shipley, pops in my head. And I thought, okay, now, um, you know, this is, mind you, this is a person I hadn't seen since high school. I mean, in uh, study hall. <laughs> so it's been a long, long time ago. Ten, you know, ten years since since I'd seen this person. And so at first, I kind of shrugged it off. I thought, you know, okay, there's no way God's going to work this fast. I mean, that's it's not going to happen. Um, so, but over the next few days, it really, just that name just kind of stuck with me. Stuck with me, and uh, I'm on the fire department. And that next following Monday night, one of Heather's classmates, uh, that was in her class, is on the fire department. And I said, "Hey, Michael," which she was also happened to be a best man at my first wedding. I said, "You, you remember Heather Shipley?" He goes, "Yeah. Why?" I said, well, she live around here?" Or, And he's like, I don't know. I said, I said, okay. So again, I just kind of shrugged it off. I thought, okay, no, 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 Um, you know, now it's about a week later. Uh, This is right before Christmas and I'm out at Walmart and Florida and I'm picking up some last minute Christmas gifts for my, my two uh, boys. And uh, I'm out there and I got a handful of stuff and i walk around to the end of the paper products aisle at Walmart and I about run over somebody pushing a cart anybody want to guess who that person might be (laughs) you're right it was Heather Shipley Uh, and so needless to say we sit there and talk for about 45 minutes and her mom was with her and she got tired of waiting so she went to the car (laughs) and uh so anyway, we talked, and, and you know we both kind of I knew she was a Christian or she used to be, and everything, and you know, we both kind of had the same thing. It really wasn't nothing to do but to the clubs and all that kind of stuff, and so we both agreed, yeah, it'd be maybe a good idea to go watch a movie or go and get something to eat sometime and all that. And so uh, you know, we kind of went our separate ways. so This is when I knew God was really kind of working in it because, well, let's just say I wasn't very rico suave Suave at the time. (laughs) Because uh, whenever I got home, I realized I didn't get a phone number. Uh oh. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do now here? So I, you know, I get out the trusty phone book. Right? I'm looking and. Sure enough, there's like five Shipleys in the phone book. Uh, None of them with the name Heather. So I thought to myself, uh, okay, what am I going to do? Then I thought, there is no way this 28-year-old guy is going to start calling random numbers (laughs) and saying, is there a Heather that lives there? (laughs) So... Again, I kind of shrugged it off, I thought. You know, no, 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 it can't be, you know. So, a couple more days had passed and Christmas was over and I had went back to work and a coworker of mine who I used to work with called me and said, "Hey, you want to go golfing on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve day?" Now, I don't know how many times you get a chance to go golfing on New Year's Eve day, but it's not very often, right? So I thought, yeah, sure, why not, no problem. So uh, I was gonna meet him down in Mount Vernon and so I took the day off vacation and went to Huck's to get gas and went in to pay for my gas and guess who was (laughs) in? Huck's getting a cappuccino. Sure enough, it was Heather Shipley. I got her number. And uh, a week later we went on our first date And the rest has been a true blessing from God. So one thing that Heather told me, and she waited to tell me this until after I proposed, but she told me that uh, that night we ran into each other at Walmart, that uh, after her mother so patiently waited in the car for however long it was, uh, first thing she told her mom when she got in the car is that God told her that I'm going to marry that man. And, uh, and a lucky man he was. So really the message here, though, is, you see, for me to receive that restoration in my life uh, and the blessings and grace that he wanted to bestow on me, first I had to open up my heart to it. I had to open up myself to receive it. Um, and God's always there wanting to give us that grace and give us that redemption in those times of struggle and strife Um, but we have to open our hearts uh, to do that you know we don't know what the future is but what I do know is that if we open our hearts his restoring uh, restoring power and grace will pour it out on us more than we ever thought possible so this church you know, we're in a time of transition. But I have no doubt that this church has its heather being prepared for for us, just like God prepared heather for me. And just as my trials with marriage and, and things uh, in the past prepared me to better be a better husband and father in the future, I have no doubt that God will use this time of transition to make us even better than we were before.
0: Thank you. Dallas, you went over about a minute and a half, but there was no way I was going to stop you in the middle of that story. Or should I say Rico? I think he just got a new nickname, didn't he, guys? All right. Next up, this person, she's a world traveler. She's fearless. She's the missionary, Ruth Kessler.
7: Good evening, I've asked myself a question, what is grace? It's God's love and mercy come down from heaven for us. Grace is a gift from God. We don't deserve it, and we certainly can't earn it. Grace is something you get because of who Christ is not who you are. In Ephesians 2, 5, it says, it is by grace you have been saved, but you've got to have faith to receive it. The Christian life, it's dependent upon grace. God gives grace to set you free from sin, to act according to his good purpose to pray, to grow in Christ, to witness for Jesus. We've got to seek grace and we've got to want it. You can receive grace by studying and obeying God's word, by hearing the gospel, by praying, by fasting, by worshiping Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says, grace can be received in vain. That's true. We can resist it. We can put it out. We can set it aside. We can abandon it. In 2 Corinthians twelve nine, Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you, for by my power it is made perfect in your weakness. God's grace works in us. Grace says when we come, that he gives. Grace is what someone gives us out of the goodness of his heart. You can also extend grace to others. Grace is a pleasant surprise. Grace is a smile. A word of encouragement. A kind gesture. A help. And someone's need. Grace is something you did not expect, but you would never want to turn it down.
3: Yeah.
0: Thank you, Ruth. Next up, this guy is the new kid on the block. Let's give it up for JJ Vineyard.
8: Hey, hey, for you doing that, I've got something I need to say. Uh, Dallas, you sure did make it hard on the rest of us married folk getting ready to go home. (laughs) I want to hear how come you can't be more like Dallas (laughs) all the way home. Grace defined as free, uh, undeserved favor of God. Uh, Rick preached Sunday morning about the book of Jonah, and and Jonah's uh, a book full of God's grace. He even when Jonah was in complete disobedience with God, God was was pouring out his grace. He, he found grace. Even when he was running from God, Jonah found grace from God. And, and, he, and he found grace while he was out of the will of God. And the, the, the crazy thing about Jonah is, or God's grace is, you can be out of the will of God, but God still have you in his will. Because he's a sovereign God. Uh, and, and that's how God is. And, and and God was, uh, poured out his grace upon Nineveh, and Jonah was running from Nineveh. Any, anyone ever run from God? Mm-hmm. Anyone ever just take off and say, God, I want to keep this part of my life here. This, this part of my life is mine. You can't have this part. That's what Jonah was doing. And, and, and the will of God, uh, anyone ever hide from God? Jonah was hiding from God and God's grace was still available. Jonah, a uh, book of grace, the, the sailors on the boat found grace. They were uh, on the shore and the storm was rising and, and they were uh, giving, uh, praying to their private gods and their private idols and because of the storm, God uh, uh, spared them. But not only did they find grace, but Jonah 1 and 16 says that then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. God will never send you through a storm in your life that he will not use to give him glory. Sailors found grace. The entire Nineveh found grace. Jonah went through and preached three days. He said in 40 days, uh, uh, God is going to destroy the city of Nineveh. So Nineveh found grace. And and even the king came out and he put sackcloth on and the king repented. And I was praying, and I was studying, and I was thinking, uh, God, what am I going to preach on uh, grace? And, and he kept bringing me back to verse 17, and, and it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now the Lord had prepared. And this is what I want us to look at briefly tonight, is God's prepared grace. The Lord had prepared Jonah. He knew Jonah was running. He knew Jonah was hiding, but still yet God prepared free undeserved favor and grace. This, this type of grace is not something that we like to talk about. We, we like to talk about uh, the, uh, the kind of grace God gave Abraham. He said, go out. And he said, I'm going to take you to a country that's prepared for you. We like to talk about good grace. We like to talk about uh, the children of Israel leaving the land of Egypt. We like to talk about how God had prepared a land flowing with milk and honey. We like to talk about that kind of grace. We like to talk about it, and we get excited about it. And we like to talk about Adam and Eve in the garden. Man, God had grace on them. He prepared a garden for them, and he placed them there. He said, tend my garden. That's good grace, and that's the kind of grace we, we love to talk about. We like to talk about Jesus saying, in my Father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and i'm going there to prepare a place for you a prepared mansion we like to talk about this type of grace we love to talk about this prepared grace can can happen when you're unaware heard a story this week about prepared grace Uh, there was a a van full of people and, and usually a young boy would sit in this particular seat but for some reason, he got in the very back seat, strapped himself in, and they were T boned. The van rolled. Prepared grace. Occupied, but prepared grace. Prepared grace is, is when, when your rent's due, and then all of a sudden you go out into the mailbox and, and there's a check in there. No reason it should be there, it's prepared grace. Fred said this Sunday in Sunday school class, he said, coincidence, I think not. No, it's prepared grace. God had prepared because he knew the situation or the circumstance that you were going to be in. And and Jonah, asleep, while a very real storm threatened the life of all on board. And they were throwing stuff over and they were trying to get rid of this. And and, and prepared grace let us know that, that even in storms, God's got your back. Amen. God's got a plan in your circumstance. God's got a plan in the situation that you're going through. So so they wake Jonah up, and they throw him overboard, and the storm stops. Now, I'm not suggesting that when you're going through a storm, you find the man of God, and you throw him overboard. I, that, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but... And then this is what Jesus says. This was prepared grace. God had prepared a whale for Jonah. And for the religious people, that might say, well, now wait a minute. It don't say a big whale. It says, it says a big fish. Well, Matthew 12 and 40 says in the King James Version, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. So if Jesus said belly of a whale, I'm going to go with whale, big fish, whatever, but we know it was something huge. Uh-huh. The belly of a whale. Not the kind of prepared grace that I want to be caught in. It's dark, it's slimy, it's cold, it's nasty. But but I want you to know that it was still prepared grace. Jonah didn't deserve that fish, he didn't deserve that. How about a jail cell? I want to tell you tonight that sometimes a jail cell is prepared grace. Mm. Sometimes you're, you're living so wild and your life is so out of control that God says, I'm going to place you in time out to save you from yourself. And so he prepares a jail cell. Amen. And in that jail cell, or in the belly of that whale, you start to get real, real with God. Prepared grace. It, it, it's, a, it's a place where, where God can get your attention. Prepared grace. How about going to the doctor's office and he's checking on one thing, and then he finds something else more serious. But he's glad that he found it. That's prepared grace. Mm-hmm. Prepared grace. My grandfather went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you got cancer. and It's everywhere. you got three months to live. And everybody says, oh, that's horrible. But I want to tell you, that was prepared grace. My grandfather was not saved. And then the word cancer came through. And he sought out a man of God. And he gave his heart to Jesus. That's prepared grace. Grace. People suffer hardship and, and they go through all kinds of things, and, and God is preparing them to be prepared grace for other people. I want to tell you, my wife has been through so many things in her lifetime, her short lifetime, that most people would pair, pull their hair out, but she has become prepared grace for so many women. She's been through some things that, that would just make you want to uh, run through and, and give up and quit. Joseph sold into slavery and then put into prison if things weren't bad enough, but he was prepared grace to the saving of his father's house and the brothers that turned him into a slave. Mm -hmm. Prepared grace. Jonah was prepared grace for Nineveh. He was out of the will of God, but God said, I'm going to use you anyways. He was running from God, but God says, I choose you. He was trying to escape, but God says, You're my man, and I'm going to use you. And and Jonah was the only preacher that I ever read about in the entire Bible that was so successful that the entire city got saved, and he was upset about it. (laughs) You ever been upset because God did something good? We're not going to go into that. (laughs) Jonah prepared grace. uh, So that leads me to the question, who has God prepared you for? Because you are, as a child of God, are prepared grace for someone. Jesus said in John uh, 7, 37 and 38, and this is the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus, then he cried out with a loud voice, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and, and drink, and he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of, of living water, and this is so important for you to understand because you're God's prepared, prepared grace. Out of you. we live in a society where people are thirsty amen and if people are thirsty then they need to hear from you you are prepared grace for someone you have someone in your life or someone in the pathways of your life that you can be a, a, a prepared grace to someone that you can give hope to And without becoming prepared grace for them, that the river should flow outward to other people. Prepared grace flowing for those who just need someone to listen. You ever have a situation in your life where you just need someone to listen? You don't need them to talk or figure. You just want someone to listen. Prepared grace. Prepared grace for someone who does not believe. And the greatest example of prepared grace... Has to be the blood-stained cross Amen. prepared. Amen. Jesus said, "If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me." It Amen. was prepared to draw. Amen. It was prepared to bring men unto me. That's prepared grace. And I want to tell you tonight that God has anointed you, His children, as prepared grace. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Amen.
0: Last but not least, this guy spells his name B.O. He is the bad boy banker, Bo Bear.
5: <laughs> wow, what a start. Okay, put your seatbelts on. We got to go. Um, number one, point number one, his grace is great. Anybody who's, ex- who's experienced his great grace knows the lifting of the burden of sin, they know it physically emotionally and spiritually when you don't deserve love and you get love it's a very freeing and lifting experience his grace is great number two his grace is greater where sin abounds so glad you guys didn't take this one what does it say what much more aren't you you glad we have a god of much more you know in math there's a sign that says greater than there's no sign that i know of that says much greater than if if grace or if i'm sorry if sin was a 5 gallon bucket full of corn grace would be a 50,000 bushel grain bin full of corn sin will never be greater than grace it's in the bible sin will never be greater never much more abounds got it his grace is great his grace is greater This one's hard for me to talk about. His grace is greatness. Never to the degree in the last six weeks has God let me see the greatness in His people in this church. The grace working in them is just amazing. His grace is greatness in you to see that you are His treasure. Our church is His treasure, that you are His workmanship. He's authoring and perfecting your walk. He's walking with you in that walk. And I see that in people. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all surpassing power is from God and not from us. You are his treasure in jars of clay. That's what grace is working in your life. Great lead in for grace. Alright, I need you to do something fairly quickly and I'm going to keep talking. Where do you find grace? Who found grace at an altar in this group? Did anybody find grace the first time at an altar? I found it in a dorm room, so some people are going, yes. All right, I need you to come up and grab one of these fairly quickly. Grab one of these boxes. Everybody come up. There's no exemptions. I think, yeah, I think we have enough for everybody. If my count's right, if not, come on. Come on. I got to keep going. <clears throat> Second Corinthians twelve nine. He said to, me, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Okay, you're, you're coming up and grabbing a gift, God's gift. There's a lot more up here. You've got to have one or George is going to make a nickname for you. Come on up. Come on up. All right. The first one is God's gift. For as by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Everybody holding the gift? Okay. Everybody got it. Okay. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. God gave his best. Okay. So whenever we travel as a family... And whenever we go on a missions trip and whenever we go on a hunting trip, there's one thing that has to be there. Dallas, do you remember what you said? Monster cookies. Monster cookies. We have not talked about monster cookies for how many years? Okay, so, so I knew I was on the right track with this message because we already had this planned out. Monster cookies are Sherry's best. She's a pretty good cook, as you can tell. I had to laugh when Dallas brought them up in that meeting, and Randy and Rodney both commented on them. These are our best cookies. They symbolize God giving his very best. This is, he gave the best he had. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? All right. If you open the box. The first cookie in the box. You don't have to take the cookie out. I just want you to see it. You kind of need milk or something to drink, just so you know. They're really good, though. The first cookie symbolized God's best, Jesus. The second cookie symbolizes that there's always more with God. God gives more. Now to him who is able to do infinitely more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. There's always more with God. There's always, you can always go deeper. You can always go farther. There's more there. All right, that's the second cookie. Got it? All right. And, and, and right, where, right where this whole message was headed, without any collusion, if you pull that card out and flip it over, what do you got? You've got the recipe. You guys are God's church. You guys are God's people. His treasure's within you. You've got the recipe. What's the best thing to do with the recipe? Share. You've got it to share. You've got it to give others. You know, when we give grace others that are in the world, they don't understand it. They can't comprehend it. But they know there's something different in us. That treasure I talked about earlier that God has placed in us changes the world. So you've got that to share. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 again But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power is from God and not from us. When you have grace, you have a treasure within you. If you see any great thing in me, it's from God. God, it's from you. If you see any great thing in me, it's from him. I pray today that you find his treasure and put it in your hearts and let it be shared with others. If you could do any one thing, and this would be really cool, if you went home and made those cookies and gave them to a coworker that needs grace. Or if you gave it to your neighbor who needs grace. Or you gave it to your friend who needs grace. And on the back of that card are all those scriptures I just went over. And we'd be glad to copy that for you here at the church if you need help. Grace is meant to share. So in summary... He's God's gift. It's God's gift. He gave his best. There's always more. And share. Amen. And I have to say this because I'd be get in real trouble too. With, but Sherry spent several hours on a seven minute message <laughs> <laughs> yeah. putting all those <laughs> things together. So I got to give her a hand. Yeah. She's pretty awesome.